So Flip Classroom is where the teacher prepares content for students to review before or during class time. So people like to call this, you know, the individual space. And then inside class time, which is often coined group space, students build on content by having discussions, solving problems and debating concepts and ideas. listening to the NZPE TeacherCast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing teachers and educators within New Zealand and around the world. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With the ability to track student progress and quiz results, data provided by My Study Series ensures teachers remain informed of how well their students are performing. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to the NZPE Teacher Cast. It's been a bit of an extended break for a number of reasons, but the podcast is back and I'm excited to be pushing ahead with weekly interviews and term time for the remainder of the year. A slight tack and focus with the podcast though, instead of just interviewing PE teachers, we're going to be exploring great teaching from all subject areas and levels of learning. And to kick it off, we're stepping away from PE and interviewing a teacher who teaches in the social sciences and religious education area. Jeremy Cumming is a seconded secondary advisor at the Catholic Diocese of Christchurch from Catholic Cathedral College and has a passion for the flipped classroom, which is why I'm super keen to interview him today. I'm sure this is going to be an insightful episode today, so Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Hey Carl, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I've been following you for a while and it's great to be on your show here. Uh, awesome. Hey, so before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience and a few tidbits about your current position or your school and the students you teach? Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, you know, I've always wanted to become a teacher since I was 10. So my teacher, Mrs. Cunningham, uh, let me teach the class about weather systems, and I was totally hooked from there. So after that, um, you know, I went to university and I took um, six months out um, and actually worked as a teacher aide to really work out if teaching was something that I wanted to get into. Um, During that time, I really enjoyed working with the students and the teachers and, you know, how much the teachers actually cared about the kids that they were working with. You know, from there, um, I went to the graduate school here in Christchurch, and, you know, I've been a teacher at uh, Catholic Cathedral College, which is in our central city, just behind the uh, Broken Cathedral here, and I've been a a head of house uh, looking after the pastoral care and academic needs of um, students from years 7 to 13, you know, we're a really small school of about 450 students, and we've got a really strong uh, Filipino community, which I really love. And the kids that we have are really honest, and they come from families where they want to, um, you know, provide for their future, and many of them have moved to New Zealand to provide their, their kids with a better future. That's awesome, and I love how... Um... Every single teacher has that story about um, a teacher that they admired or they looked up to when they were at school and it kind of led them down that path of education because it was the same for me. Um, I actually had a couple of teachers that had massive influence on me and also a couple of teachers that, um, what's the best way to put it, 
kind of not very good and that kind of drove me a little bit as well not so much the positive or, or combining the positive with the negative when you see these teachers and the way they treat some of their kids it makes you want to do a, do a better job at it I, I think yeah you're reminding me of a couple that were um sometimes i didn't i didn't get on with and i i think you're right it kind of motivates you in terms of placing yourself back in the student's perspective and, and being aware of that when you were teaching as well so i agree with you there the, the reason I've gotten to know you a little bit closer recently is you've become quite a popular flipped educator in New Zealand and that's, um, of course, that's something I'm really into. And I've seen your work and you've impressed a few people at FlipCon NZ this year, a bit of feedback yeah. I heard about you, which is awesome. So um, give, me, give me your definition of what flip learning is, how, how you perceive or what you perceive flip learning to be. You know, this is a great question, Carl, and it's one that I believe can oftentimes be pretty confusing. So I want to start with what's the difference between flipped classroom and flipped learning, if that's okay? Yep. So flipped classroom is where the teacher prepares content for students to review before or during class time. So people like to call this, you know, the individual space. And then inside class time, which is often coined group space, students build on content by having discussions, solving problems and debating concepts and ideas. Flipped learning creates ownership of learning by requiring the learner to create, teach and share. So features we should look for in a flipped learning class are, you know, it's a flexible environment, what happens where. It's got to be student-centred and students need to actually be part of the knowledge construction. The teacher needs to be thinking about how to maximise class learning time. And finally, the, the teacher and students are going to be giving each other constant feedback and guidance as they construct knowledge. So for me, flipped learning focuses on the learning process and it's more about who does what. Mm. Yeah, so like my experience, everyone gets caught up in the whole content creation and providing videos and stuff like that, but that's only a very small part of it. And all that value comes in that repurposed class time and that face-to-face, extra face-to-face class time that you have with your students that makes it such a viable option you know, in the classroom, I think. I agree, and I think that, you know, the term flipped, you know, learning or classroom, and if you Google that image, you know, it has kids in desks upside down with the teacher <laughs> at a board. And, you know, people get too hooked on the flipped part, and what it's actually about is in with that time with your students, it's almost like tutorial time, and, like, you're working your butt off to get around to yep. your different groups and have your conversations with your kids. So for me... Flip classroom, flip learning requires more skill and, and develops your skills as a teacher and what it should be rather than, as, as I agree, what you were saying, you know, content creation. I'm not so much about that. I'm about, you know, what happens in the class. What are you actually doing with your kids? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely not easy. It's um, it's a lot of extra work, and then you throw in <laughs> the you throw in the content creation on top of that, and it's it's actually a big effort you got to put in. And I think for, for some people, you know, that's a massive shift in terms of around that ownership and, and control. And, you know, it is easier to get into a class and say, right, we're going to do activity one, activity two, and then we're going to do activity three, and then I'm going to talk for a little bit, and then you're going to go off and do it. I think it's harder to be, you know, okay, some of you are going to be doing this activity, some of you are going to be doing that, and you're trying to balance the, the yep. two. Yeah, for sure. So what made you, what, what got you into it? What made you embrace the concept of flipped learning and, and what was the draw card for you? You know, to be honest, Carl, I was actually a real skeptic of, you know, flipped classroom and flipped learning to begin with. 
I didn't think it could work for students and didn't actually think it could improve my classes and my teaching. <laughs> so Fair enough. Me, <laughs> and, you know, I thought, I want to know more about this. So I took a really pragmatic approach because, you know, that's a bit who I am. So, you know, I did some research for the University of Canterbury and I started to read a lot of research around the positive impacts that it has on self-directed learning skills for students and also around the teacher-student relationships. Mm -hmm. So the real draw card for me um, was the ability for students to access their learning anywhere, anytime. So this was particularly around external exam preparation, whereby students could have access um, to areas of my teaching that could be automated, you know, for example, perspectives on the origins of World War One. And then in class time, we get together and actually drill down into, you know, what were the features and discuss these in, in greater detail. It was about the ability to address student misconceptions immediately or as close to real time as I could. So say if I get the students in the class, I can answer their questions and misconceptions and then they can go off and complete some learning to, to master their understanding rather than getting in the class, not really being sure if, what I've said and taught has been understood before seeing them off, getting that content back and going, you know, James, you didn't really understand this. And for James to say, well, I didn't really understand it before you sent me off anyway. <laughs> so did, um, did it take long for you to come around once you, once you read some of that research and, and started trialing with it? I think after reading the research, I started with one class and started to see, the impact that it had, particularly around uh, my relationship with my students and also their engagement with their learning, because, you know, the challenge of the learning was, you know, the Goldilocks effect, you know, it was easy enough, but then just right that they felt challenged that we were able to drill down and have some really cool conversations about their learning. And, and it's good you keep bringing up relationships because that's it, you know, that's the core of what we do. And if we can have good relationships in the classroom, we, you know, you can achieve anything. And that, this does, it's a massive um, bonus to, to this flipped learning, flipped classroom is that your relationships with your students do get better. I think so. And we as teachers, you know, our time is finite, Carl. And I think, you know, the demands on teachers are only going to increase in the future. I think that if we have a perspective now that, you know, things are going to get taken away from us, I think that's really unrealistic. And I think, you know, if you go into a room of teachers and ask them, why did you get into teaching? You know, we've talked about teachers who, you know, made a huge impression on us. And what it comes down to is students and, you know, kids, teenagers wanting to be seen and heard by adults and, and wanting to be, know respected understood and, and cared for and the way that we could be going you know there's not much time for that mm, for sure so you had you had an amazing opportunity last year where you were flown by ClickView to australia for a flip learning roundtable with some of the best uh flipped educators in australia so what what was that like what was that all about and what was your best takeaway this was nuts and you know it was an amazing experience and thank you to Evan, Rupert and Mara for, for setting this up for me. It was probably the best form of flip learning PD that I've had so far. The reason being that I got to hear teachers telling their stories and how they were implementing it across different environments. This is all across Australia. So you know I was blown away. These are people that you know in a geeky way I look up to and you know 
oh my god they're here um (laughs) (laughs) in a real nude fashion but you know i want to break down probably three things that i that i took away and we've talked about it already but it's about the teacher student relationship so at this round table we each presented uh, what was happening in our classroom and the theme that was discussed throughout the day was them getting to know their students really well and again we've talked about it. it's not actually about the flip itself it's not about the video being constructed and the content or a structured reading activity or whatever it's actually about creating an environment for positive learning relationships so these are people who have done some pretty freaking amazing stuff and amazing content and they weren't saying wow you know look at my content i'm amazing they were saying it's actually about the kids yeah um, you know, secondly, the connections that I formed with other flipped educators. So they've provided a really good sounding board for me in terms of the work that I've been doing. And, you know, shout out to Kurt Schelliner and Amy Shackleton, who are like amazing flipped educators that I often bounce ideas off. And, you know, finally, the one, the biggest takeaway from that round table, you know, following from our recent America's Cup triumph, I kind of sat in this room and I thought, we as Kiwi educators can create something really awesome through flip learning and we can actually be world leaders in this area. So I wanted to create a way for Kiwi flipped educators uh, to connect and provide them with the space um, that was similar to this round table that I had been a, a privilege to be a part of. And so in a real basic way, I just set up um, at NZ flip learn on Twitter, which is a way for Kiwi educators to, to share what they're doing around flip learning. Yeah, that's cool. And there's been some really good dialogue and, and chat on that um, on that Twitter handle. So that's really cool that you've set that up. And that roundtable sounded awesome. Um, I'm really jealous that you got to go on that. Um, sounds like I've watched some of the videos and there was some really good discussion going on and ideas being passed. Um, so hopefully we can get something like that in New Zealand in the future. It'll be really cool. I think someone like uh, yourself, um, I would enjoy seeing you at that round table because, you know, I want to learn off you because for me, you know, you're someone that I look at because you've been a trendsetter around this. Like, I mean, you were doing this stuff in, you know, 2012, I think I first came across some of your stuff. So for me, you know, it would be a privilege to see, you know, someone like yourself there, someone, you know, someone who I respect. Yeah, I appreciate that. I was thinking just before when you mentioned about, um, you know, you wanted to delve into the research and make sure it was something that was going to be good for your classroom and your students and I'm kind of the opposite and that's a bit of a problem I have where I see something and I'm like yeah I'm in I'm all in and I dive in and I go for gold and um, I just need to pull back a little bit I think and manage my time a little bit better um, in certain in certain cases. I think we need we need that though like we need to be passionate and to be and just to dive in sometimes I think you know I'm the type of personality and I think it's creeping in a little bit too much is that we want to say, you know, show me the evidence, show me it first, instead of being, you know, a passionate educator like yourself and just saying, heck, I'm just going to jump in. Um, That's, I'm actually going to, that reminded me of something I I read um, when I was doing some research for these questions. You've, you've, you wrote a little bit about passion projects. Have you managed to implement them anywhere? I came across a passion project projects via Simon Ashby so he's a a primary teacher up in Nelson amazing guy one of the best presentations that I've been to in terms of PD and I've been working with a teacher Rosemary Madden who was at Catholic Cathedral College and we were looking at if they had 20% you know genius time or a passion project time 
would that help the students remain at their same academic level or actually increase it? Because they had to select a topic within their unit of work and really drill down and, and dig down deep. So one of the passion projects I saw was looking at how is religion demonstrated in popular culture? So a student had looked at um, songs, pop songs. Um, what is it? Uh, Indiana Jones and looking at the uh, religious connotations and characterizations throughout that movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes we get too caught up in assessing, assessing, you know, marking students against a rubric in a box instead of just saying, hey, let's just learn something because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I purchased um, Two Genius, our books, earlier or maybe over summer, and um, and I tried to, because I had a small class this year, and I thought, man, this is perfect. I've got 10, 10 level three kids. Um, I'm going to give this a go. And we started, and I found the kids were just there their um their schooling was just so ingrained and the structure was just so ingrained that they just couldn't they couldn't handle it they wanted me to tell them what to do and my brief was was fairly simple and i gave them a lot of support and the lead into it but all i wanted them to do was to take an hour a week to do anything they wanted to do within our learning domain and just at the end of the year they had they needed uh some sort of project uh or like you know something like a website or a product or something like that yeah. created at the end and it just fell over after a term because they just couldn't grasp this idea that their time was theirs to do whatever they wanted and I was really disappointed and I think if I if I tried it again I'd try to um, really ground some of those principles a little bit earlier and a little bit firmer and, and have some really good learning and structure or understanding around the removal of structure for those students because it was um it was a perfect opportunity and I'm really gutted it didn't pan out but um but that's right. You've picked up on something really well. One of the um, students I talked to said that they would do you know this type of learning all the time in primary school, and this student was year nine, so they've been you know six months in a secondary school, and it's like you know do we almost beat that curiosity and you know that desire to learn like I look at my six-year-old nephew and he asked me you know I don't know 200 questions in the space of an hour because he's desperate to know so much but you know when when they go to a secondary school why is it that they stop questioning oh we we definitely do I hear it all the time um and it's really sad and I think we should and could do something about it but um yeah, I, I, I don't know right now, but definitely it's it's an issue and we do sort of kind of cut off some of that creativity. I'm, so, I'm keen to see how you go with it, Carl, because I know that I'm the pragmatic type and you're the, you're the doer, so I'm keen to, to see what you do and then and learn from you, really. Yeah, I'll come back to it, I think, for sure, um, but it's, yeah. it's on hold for now. Okay. So coming back to your, your school... You were part of a research project looking at how engaging material in the form of flip content would lead to greater student knowledge and understanding. Does that does that sound about right? That's right, yeah. And and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this was a trial. We had four schools in 2016, and this year it's grown to 31 schools. So they're trialling this flip content in Term 1 and Term 3 of this year. Mm -hmm. So I'd just like to say that this is for the religious education curriculum and it's how we could support, we have a mandated religious education curriculum and an important feature of teaching religious education is discussion and experience of your faith with your classmates, your teacher and your family. 
so we looked at perspectives and feedback and we thought that flip learning could provide the opportunity uh, for creating content that students could use in their class, but also with their community. So making their faith really active and also including their parents in their learning about faith and their faith development. Because for us, from a Catholic perspective, teachers, um, parents are the first teachers of their children in regards to faith because they kind of pick it up by osmosis in those early years and then they start to form their own understanding as they get older. So we're currently receiving feedback based on this trial it's slowly trickling in and you know for us we by no means have the panacea cream for all the difficulties in teaching and learning but we're really enjoying you know working with our schools our teachers our parents and our students who are on this journey with us you know for me Carl, we've got fabulous teachers in our schools and we want to work with them to share their ideas and learning with us like we're not saying to them what you're what you're doing is wrong or bad or bad or poor practice for us we want to create a crowdsourcing model whereby teachers create their video or reading content or flip content and they share it with us so it could be as a model of youtube or wikipedia where teachers create units, share them with us, they're recognised on our website and we're sharing their collective genius and their collective skill with the rest of New Zealand. Yeah, and I like what you touched on around being able to, the student being able to take their learning to the to their community. And I think one of the, the great things of the flip classroom or flip learning for me is that it makes makes your classroom a little bit more transparent and it involves the parents and they need to have a bit of an understanding about what you're doing and they can now access and see what their student is doing and or what their child is doing in the classroom and it just well I think we're not transparent enough in education at the moment and we we need like you said um, around the, the parents they can provide a lot of support and help with education but if we just if they're, they're standalone and separate from what we do, then we don't get that benefit, and it's really important we do, that we do embrace that, I think. I, I agree, Carl, and I think, you know, doing this trial, some parents that I've engaged with are desperate to know what their kids are doing. You know, their child comes home and they say, you know, what did you do at school? And they go, oh, nothing. And with this, they can't because, you know, the content's right there, the parents have access to it, and they can watch it and actually have a discussion with their child. And I think that's really cool that they are, you know, able to talk about, you know, their faith and check in through that way. That's another segue that parents can connect with their child. Yeah, I've I've started with my, my three-year-old. We've started, um, <laughs> I've created an account at um, Khan Academy, and we're going through the, the junior maths program, and it's so cool having these discussions and even I'm learning some stuff from these preschool videos that because my mess is terrible yeah but it's just it's 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 so cool being able to share that experience and ask her questions afterwards around the learning and stuff like that so um that's awesome what you're doing that is so cool I'm, I'm definitely telling my wife that when I get home today <laughs> what what were the biggest challenges you encountered during the research project I think the biggest challenge has been around the shift in roles where learning happens, Carl. This is a change in pedagogy and how we think about the teacher-student roles. So the idea of flipped learning is that you as the teacher are constantly checking in, providing feedback and discussing learning with students, along with short periods of direct instruction. 
you know, but it is a big shift from being up the front and going through content step by step. Some of our students may be up to, say, Key Idea 4, and some of them might be up to Key Idea 1. You know, that takes a great deal of skill and balancing and is really difficult. You know, I think about when I graduated as a teacher in 2010, you know, I thought good teaching was where all the students were, you know, busily writing and, and quiet and and getting their work done. And I think flip learning can, for some people starting out, be chaos. But what you'll see is that through the soft skills and measures that you put in place, that it is really structured and you're going to see massive gains within your students' learning. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I agree with everything you said there. What about biggest biggest wins you encountered during the project? Students sharing their learning with their parents and caregivers. So around 25% of students watch content at their home with parents and had really awesome discussions and created questions with their parents to come back into the class with, to discuss with their teacher and with their class. So instead of you know the challenge of being a parent asking what their child is doing at school, they, the student can actually show them and the parents can engage with it. Students sharing their learning with their parents or caregivers has to be the biggest wins in our project. So, so far around 25% of our students are watching their content at home with their parents and having some really awesome discussions and creating questions that they're bringing back into their class for their teachers and for the other students in the class. So for me, you know, the first teachers of a child is their parents and flip learning is a medium that allows them to do that. Secondly, the growth of students creating content rather than consuming it. So we had a school, what they did is that they created uh, a short video clip about a minute of who the person of Jesus was. They turned this into a QR code. And then what they did is that they placed these QR codes up on bus stops. And we watched people, you know, general members of the public get out their phones and, and watch this one-minute video that a 12- and 13-year-old cre had created. So for me, you know, flipped learning, the teacher is still the most important person in the room. I think that flipped learning also allows for a better integration of technology, but more importantly, how we can allow our students to create content and have an impact on people outside of their teacher, outside of their school, but also in their local community and also, you know, you know bigger than the sky, you know, internationally as well. Yeah, and when your kids are creating content, that's that's next level, you know, that's top of Bloom's taxonomy, that's kind of that endpoint of where, you know, when you get there and, and the kids have... Uh, they understand all that knowledge to the point where they can create stuff. That's awesome. And the stuff around the parents, you know, that's what I was saying before. We we need mm. to bring them on board, and that's perfect that you saw that through the project. It's been amazing in terms of parents, you know, saying thank you for the ability to, to have that chance to discuss, you know, what their child is doing at school. And I think as they kind of move into the secondary environment, some teachers back off because that communication with their child and, and with the school starts to kind of stagnate a bit. Mm. Um, and I, I flip learning could be, it's not a silver bullet, but it could be a way that we get those communication ties that are really strong in the primary school 
you know, to flow through into the secondary school. Yeah. You, you, you also had a little bit of mastery learning within that project. Um, I, I'm a big fan of that, and I haven't <laughs> really nailed it yet in terms of delivering it within my classrooms. Um, more so this year, I've managed a, a little bit more because I've got my study series to use. But yeah, um, how how did you incorporate that? How is that implemented? Hey, I haven't mastered it either, and I'm still learning, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a brief rundown anyway, Carl. You know, mastery learning for me is a great way for students to gain confidence in their learning and also have the right mix of challenge with support. It's that Goldilocks mentality around uh, just right, you know, it's just hard enough and it's not too easy enough, it's just right, and that fail forward mentality in terms of as a teacher you know, say if you do have a stumbling block, I'm going to send you back to content or back to an activity and then you're going to have another go at mastering this key, key idea or a feature of the content that we're learning about. So for me, it begins with engaging with content and asking questions based on the content presented. So it could be the student watches the video or does the reading and they come back with questions. So it could be a wondering question, a confusion question or a clarification question. So teachers and students in the class time discuss these and they address misconceptions before they move on to the application of learning. So teachers or students themselves can set must do or can do lists of learning activities where they're going to apply their knowledge to a range of tasks. Does that make sense so far? Yep. Once the student is ready, they have a conversation with their teacher and they sit down with them and the teacher will gauge whether or not they've mastered the content so far. So they'll look at their questions and they'll go through their learning activities and they sit a 10 question quiz to show that they've mastered a key idea. For me, if they complete this with a pass rate of 80% or above, they move on to the next key idea if they don't, they can be redirected back to content, to questions, or an activity based on the misconceptions that they've pre presented in the quiz. So it's kind of like being a doctor, you're diagnosing and you're intervening. So it's important to note that the teacher in mastery flip learning is still making all the decisions and it's based on the teacher knowing their students and for me making the data come alive to, to help their students move forward, move that learning needle. Yeah, it's it's back to it's back to all those relationships again. What I I think one of the challenges of, of mastery learning is having um, having the content near and ready so that a can a, a student can progress through. Um, but what I what I the best byproduct I think of mastery learning that I've witnessed in my classes is that when a kid is showing um, higher levels of understanding and they are progressing on, mm. they can come back and they do come back into the classroom or back to where the remainder of the class is and they act as mentors and they come along and they support those who are struggling or, or even those who are, who are just going through the going through the motions and and I think that's really powerful as well having students as mentors because it's it's all well and good us being up the front teaching and, and circulating and being um, the leader in the classroom but we want student leaders we want people taking that leadership role and, and mentoring and educating each other as well because I think that's more powerful than me being up the front, educating. I, I love that, Carl, and I think you know that relates to reciprocal teaching and coaching that the students are able to do because it reinforces their learning and they might be able to present it using language or a manner 
that you know I might have the skills to be able to do. And as you're saying, we can call on them to be able to help their fellow students. And for me, is it kind of sad that they can't do that as you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds, and we only say to them, "Oh no, you can do that once you leave school." Yeah, yeah, it is. That is sad. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. That's not that's, not to be negative. No, no. And I cracked up when you when you said um, about the students being able to deliver it in their. Um, you know, I just thought common lingo that I've tried to drop in class, you know, <laughs> try to be the cool teacher, and it just hasn't panned out well at all. I, I always, you... I always used to get the just the blank stare, and then there'd always be that one <laughs> kid who's like, "Nah, man, nah, man." <laughs> How do you see flip learning impacting your teaching in the future, or maybe even um, teaching in general in the future? Yeah, this is a great question, Carl. And I think I've kind of touched on the first point, but for me, teacher time is finite. So we as teachers are going to have more place on us in the future of education. So in a report in 2001, it looked at 12 primary and secondary schools in New Zealand, and these teachers had to implement four new teaching initiatives every year. Now let's think about 2017. How many teaching initiatives would we have to implement in one single year now? Mm. You know, I think teachers, you know, we got into this because we wanted to make a difference in students' lives. You know, I see students, I used to love seeing students have that light bulb moment, that aha moment, and they kind of go, you know what, I get this and I'm going to fly with it. For me, I believe flip learning will help us have stronger teacher-student relationships and it will help us be more aware of how our students learn. You know, for me, I know that the t- integration of technologies into our New Zealand schools today is a huge challenge. You know, I even find this difficult myself sometimes. You know, I got caught in the trap of relying all of my teaching on the technology rather than actually doing the teaching myself. So for me, I think a person I follow, Robert Talbot, he describes flip learning as an operating system where we can use technology as a tool that enhances our teaching. So for example, I might flip the concept of Jesus' resurrection and use plickers in my class to gauge student understanding and class time Or I might use Flipgrid where students share their ideas or understanding of the resurrection of Jesus, and we can have a class debate around the videos that the students have created. I think it will provide me with a better base to use educational tools, and it's actually going to enhance my students' learning experiences. And finally, to keep travelling on, is we have a huge wealth of knowledge in our society, and I think an area that is really untapped is getting people outside of education to provide us with their skills or expertise. So what I mean by this is I've got a really limited understanding of the official cash rate if I'm teaching year 10 economics. If I can set up a discussion with a financial advisor or an economist and record this and break it up into concepts for my students, you know, they have a better understanding, be able to present it as a master of that understanding better than I could myself. So it's about that idea of harnessing the collective genius that we have around us, not only looking at it from within education itself, but drawing on you know, experts and masters from other sectors. I love it, mate, and and I completely agree with you. But what I, what I see these days so often <laughs> is that people can't let go of them being the sole provider of knowledge 
and uh, they feel that by bringing in an outsider, which I think is awesome, and I, I try to do it as much as possible, mm-hmm. then they're kind of negating their... Uh, it's like, they're, I, I don't know, they're scared to give up that power, but, if you know, we can't be the expert on everything, and we the flip classroom does allow us because we, we can remove that direct instruction and, and provide more authentic learning context and have more face-to-face classroom time so we can bring in those experts and you're right we just need to we just need to embrace it and kind of get rid of this um attitude or the stigma that i don't know it's a bit of a frustration of mine and i think that some people just need to let go a little bit more and and understand that there are people out there that can teach some of our content better than we can hey cal this is a really embarrassing story but um my wife is also a teacher and and when I started you know using flip learning I was like oh you know exactly what you've said I was like you know I want to be in control of all the knowledge and I I know when they need to know that particular thing and she said to me you know what you're a control freak (laughs) and I think that you know we kind of need to to let go in some senses and there's a I can't remember his name, but, you know, the T-shaped teacher in terms of, you know, do we connect with people and the the teacher beside us in the next room? Do we connect with the teacher in our department? Do we connect with um, educators outside of our department? Do we connect with educators outside of our school or, you know, outside of our sector? And I think this is what flip learning is doing is, you know, opening up that bubble in terms of let's look outside of education to draw on what's actually happening in, in other sectors like, you know, my mum's a nurse, uh, nurse uh, manager, and they're integrating uh, using iPads and uh, digital records so that their speed and efficiency in terms of getting patients the correct amount of medication has actually increased, and the number of patients receiving the incorrect amount of medication has is down to zero. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I, I think that's that's really really cool, powerful stories that you're talking about, and um, and it's I'm glad you've you're no longer a control freak and you've given up some of that power, mate. Hey, only, only sometimes, only only on the weekend. <laughs> Last question. So we're over halfway through the teaching year now. Um, so what's going to keep you busy from now through to Christmas? Yeah, well. You know, my bundle of joy at the moment, my son, Charlie, who's, you know, six and a half months old, is keeping me on my toes a lot. <laughs> and, you know, my wife and I actually are blessed to have such a gift in our lives. You know, for me, developing our flip learning material for trial schools in 2018, um, nationally, refining the content that we've created this year and also creating new content for other year levels. So looking at uh, NCA level one, two, and three. And further to that, you know, continuing to look at flip learning research and getting into more study around what people are finding out, particularly around self-directed learning skills, which is coming about in 2017 research. And trying to get the conversation amongst Kiwi flipped educators going, you know, I've talked about it that we can be world leaders in this, and I truly believe it. And, you know, us Kiwis are so humble. Like, uh, you know, I've met Roshana Trevedi, who's an amazing teacher in Auckland, and, you know, John Bauer, who's an amazing teacher at uh, Macaulay College in Auckland, and, you know, people like yourself. We have all the skills, knowledge, and expertise to be 
you know, world leaders in flip learning and in this pedagogy. And I just think we need to share our journeys together and, you know, recognize, hey, you're doing some cool stuff. Can I talk to you about it? Rather than being a little bit standoffish, which I think we tend to do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hey, um, Jeremy, I, look, I just want to thank you for um, taking the time out to have a yarn about um, some of the stuff you're doing in the flip classroom. And I'm, I'm really inspired by, by the, some of the stuff you talk about. And I think um, this is probably the most intelligent discussion I have had on the flip classroom in many years. So um, good on you, mate. Look, I, I hope the rest of the year goes well for you. And I hope that you're, um, you keep pushing through with the flip learning and you, know, you hit some of those goals that you're setting for the remainder of the year. So thank you for taking the time. Thanks so much, Carl, for having me on your podcast and your show. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I'm a big fan of the work that you do. And this initiative that you're doing right now starts a conversation amongst educators. And, you know, it can only be a good thing that we're just sharing ideas and, and just having a yarn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate.